Becky Lynch is involved in yet another 24-7 championship matchup. We get kind of an explanation from the members of the Judgment Day as to why they ousted Edge. And in the main event, we get a flex-off between Theory and Bobby Lashley. All this and much more on tonight's Monday Night Raw review. Let's get it all started right now. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast. It is time for the Monday Night Raw review on this Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. And uh, we've got quite an interesting Monday Night Raw to discuss. A weird one, a good one, a bad one. And it's just, it it felt weird. And with the main event being a flex off, what? (laughs) There were any number of matches you could have made the main event. And you make the main event a flex off. Something that even in the middle of the show is a bad segment, a bad idea. That's what your main event is. If I'm Wichita, I'm pissed. So we'll talk about that. And of course, a couple of the matches that were really good, including Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, that could have easily been a pay-per-view matchup. And while Becky Lynch should have no business being in the 24-7 championship matchup for a second week in a row, you know, at least it's giving Dana Brooks some moments. I mean, these are Dana Brooks WrestleMania moments right now. I mean, we are seeing Dana Brooks WrestleMania moments in real time. And so we're going to cover that and a bunch more guys, of course, with a full Monday Night Raw review just ahead. And those of you that are new, I do appreciate you. I appreciate everybody who's been following us for years now. This this podcast has been around in one form or another since 2014. So eight years that I've been doing this. And, you know, you guys have followed me, some of you all the way from the beginning. And I appreciate that. And we're going to continue to hopefully continue to build this thing. And uh, the way that you can support us is, well, just give us a five-star rating anywhere you can. But if you want to give a little more, you can do that for a dollar. Patreon patreon.com slash WWE podcast, everything ad free and a ton more stuff. I can't say enough about it. I mean, I can't, I can't even make the price lower. As I've said before, maybe that's a bit of an indictment on how I feel about my product, that it's the absolute least expensive it could be, (laughs) but uh, it benefits you guys because it is, it really is nearly free to get everything ad free. So consider going there or our website, wwpodcast.com, go VIP and get yourself ad free as well as video uh, and that's pretty much it, guys. Apple Podcasts as well has an ad-free experience. So, all right, let's dive in. Let's dive into this. And I want to talk about, well, first of all, before we get to Monday Night Raw, I feel like I haven't addressed this yet. Memphis Mark did. He sent me a, a quick a five-minute show that he did. And, he, you know, I, I think it was worthy of putting up in terms of his thoughts and updates on Jeff Hardy. My thoughts are, I mean, I don't know what more to say about the dude. Um you know, he clearly has problems. He does need to just continue to try to battle the thing. You can't give up. You know, I'm, I don't even know what number DUI this is for Jeff. I honestly don't know. Uh, it feels like we're heading towards double digits, maybe. Uh, his, uh, I guess his blood alcohol was nearly a 0.3. That's, that's bad. 
right? <laughs> That's you. You are super drunk. I mean, at point three, you. Some people pass out, right? Like so. You know, that's not just you had a glass of wine with dinner and you're, you know, you're slightly, slightly buzzed. Like you're, you are effing hammered at point three. And most people are, unless your name's Andre the Giant. But that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, I, I don't know what more to say about Jeff Hardy. I, I really just wish him the best. You know, nobody should be making fun of it at this point. Uh, he's clearly, clearly got issues and hopefully family and friends can surround him and do what they can, intervention, keep him in a uh, rehab facility. You know, I, I don't know. I'm sure he's done done it all, but hopefully he finds that one thing that uh, will keep him clean You know, the rest of his life. I did notice in the mugshot that has been making its rounds on social media, which, by the way, guys, I don't know why I'm thinking of this. Follow me on TikTok. I'm making video. I even made a video, um, just I think, the other day uh, on TikTok at the WWE Podcast. But um, I noticed in the mugshot of Jeff Hardy he ha- and maybe I didn't ever notice this before because he has so many tattoos but he had one of like hands around his neck almost like demon hands around his neck and I know that he has a, a demon on a, a demon tattoo on his back and I'd imagine that those tattoos are supposed to symbolize the the hold that this addiction has on him, i.e. his demons. So, I mean, I don't know why you'd memorialize those things. Maybe it makes him feel better to get these tattoos. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, but clearly they're not helping. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know more to say about it. I mean, I'm sh- there's not much to say other than, you know, I hope he gets the help he needs and sticks with it. Right. I mean, same with Jimmy Uso. I mean, he certainly could, uh, Use some advice, but probably not advice from Jeff Hardy. Maybe somebody that's you know gotten clean. Maybe DDP can step in. I mean, who knows, really? But all right. So let's get into Monday Night Raw and a little bit less of a downer subject. And I want to talk about the one good thing here. I want to talk about an amazing matchup on Monday Night Raw. I want to start out positive. I want to start out in a, in a good mood here and talk about AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. This was a Money in the Bank qualifier match, although I'm sad because... I feel like both of them should be in the match. Now, in years past, the losers collectively of all of the qualifying matches at the end of the run to the pay-per-view, usually the Monday Night Raw before, they will have a second chance, a loser, you know, some kind of second chance matchup. So it still could be that AJ Styles does end up in this matchup. I'd be kind of sad if he doesn't because I think he'd bring a lot to the match and he'd bring a bit of a believability that he could actually win it. Uh, But this was an amazing matchup. You know, you knew it was going to be good going in just because of the talent, the pure talent in the ring there with AJ and, and Rollins. And it was as good as advertised. You know, they, they have such good chemistry. Their ma- their styles mesh very well. The the great false finishes, the calf crusher that, you know, you thought maybe Seth could tap out to, uh, you know, all of it. The missed stomp, the pedigree, the, the attempted pedigree. The, I mean, all of it. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about this match. And Was it a five-star match? No. No. Okay, let's not get too crazy. But it had its moments, and it made you feel, and it made you you know, remind you when anytime you have these moments, guys, it's important. Anytime you have those moments, and this was one of them for me, at least where you watch it and you don't know, you, you forget about everything that's going on in your life. That's, you know, maybe that you're trying to get away from or um, that, that you just remember why you love wrestling. 
and th- these are one of those matches. And so it was really good, and it went, I think, 15 minutes, maybe more. Just great. Good stuff, and it was easily, to me, the match of the night. I mean, it's not even close. So, of course, we had Seth Rollins win with uh, <laughs> a, 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 some kind of, like, reverse pin, right? A reverse uh, roll-up of sorts, schoolboy, whatever it may be. And uh, Seth Rollins gets the victory. So that's fine with me because I actually think Seth is a heavy, heavy favorite to win. And the more I think about it, the more I think Seth Rollins could be the one to win, cash in on Roman, successfully cash in on Roman. And then when Cody's ready to come back, Cody could be the one to take it from Rollins as revenge for what he did just before he left for surgery, attacking him with a sledgehammer and everything we saw last week. So it's just a one theory of many, but it's logical and I think as plausible as the next one. So that's my latest idea. Uh, whether or not that happens, I've heard nothing about it. The only place I've heard about it is a place called my head. So there it is. Take that for what it's worth. Um, but the matchup was good, really good. So, um, Let's continue on here and talk about another really good match, although not as good, but still absolutely serviceable. And I would say a B, B plus match. Jimmy Uso and Montez Ford. And Jimmy Uso defeated Montez Ford clean, countering a a frog splash into a pin. And the the match started after the Street Profits interrupted the Uso's attempt to attack Riddle after the uh, opening Miz TV segment. So no complaints here. It was fine exactly for good for what it was i'm surprised that the heels both got victories clean here even though they are they're clean but they're the lowest quality clean victory you can get right like what i mean by that is it's a clean victory they didn't have any outside help there were no shenanigans no weapons no behind the uh, referee raking the eyes low blow nothing it was as clean of a low low quality of a clean victory as it could be because what I mean by that is the lowest quality clean victory you can have is is some kind of roll up or pin or that kind of thing, because that says I didn't use my finish to beat you, which is the most definitive way to beat somebody. So instead, they have the heels win this way. I'm not complaining. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather have this than some kind of schmoz DQ finish or, you know, always having to always having to have the heels cheat to win. So. Montez Ford, you know, I got to say, I can't wait until Montez Ford breaks out into a singles career. The guy, while I understand why the Street Profits exist, because they are a quality tag team and the tag team division, I think, would suffer greatly considering RK-Bro is out if they didn't exist. Montez Ford is easily the breakout star. I mean, how forgettable. I got to say this, like Angelo Dawkins is kind of a forgettable teammate. I, I, I know he's a big guy. He can kind of talk, but Montez Ford has just, he has the it factor. He's got the look. He's got the energy. He's certainly got the athleticism. And, and I don't know, Angela Dawkins to me is like a houseplant, you know, like he's there, you know, he, he serves some sort of function, right? But you don't pay too much attention to him. That's the definition of a houseplant. Uh, you know, so I, I, not that again, he's not sloppy in the ring. I think he's fine in the ring. Not great. I think he's fine. He's in a tag team that's successful. He, you know, props to him. But when you're next to Montez Ford, yeah, sorry. Sorry, buddy. He is the he is the proverbial houseplant. So 
Uh, but anyway, the matchup here with Jimmy and, and Montez Ford was really good, and I had no problem with it. And so Jimmy beats Montez. Okay, Asuka. Or, you know what? Let's talk about the opening segment, because I didn't even talk about the opening segment yet. The opening segment was Ms. TV. I mean, can we please be done with Ms. TV? They'll never do it, because this has to be the most overused platform that WWE has created that they continue to use. And I'm uh, the Miz again, you talk about a guy that has not evolved at all. Like nearly at all. He has the same catchphrases that he used 10 years ago. Welcome to the most musty WWE talk show in WWE history. Welcome to and we all say we're supposed to say Miz TV, right? When my hand goes up, you're like it's not heel heat. It's just, am I watching a rerun? I feel like I'm watching a rerun every single time I see The Miz. Same haircut, same outfits, same catchphrases, same platform, same music, same attire when he comes to the ring. You know, I'm sure he's added some movesets and, and you know skills in the ring, but as a whole, they haven't been strikingly different. It's just like the Miz is frozen in time. It's not to say he's not a good talker. He is. He's a he's a fine talker, but you don't take him seriously as a heel. There was somebody in the, that I respect. Might have been the Undertaker. No, I don't think it was Taker. Don't quote me on it. There's somebody that said their favorite heel, a legend, a Hall of Famer, that their favorite heel is the Miz, that he does the best work. I'm like, in what universe are we watching the same product? Now, again, I understand he's got the suit. Okay, that's inherently unlikable. Take a hint, Cody Rhodes. He talks down to the audience. Uh, his, you know, his, his hands go up, your mouths go shut. All that, the same crap we've been hearing. You know, but when you have a guy this talented and he doesn't evolve then how is he surviving? Is it just because he has just he's in his comfort zone? I think that's the best way to put it. The Miz has been booked to his comfort zone. And I, I understand why people feel that he's a good heel, but he's not believable. What I mean by that is, you know, when he gets into a program, he's going to ultimately get his ass kicked. Even if there's a week or two of heat built on him, you know, at the end of the day, that he's going to have his ass beat. And he doesn't feel like he could actually beat someone straight up without cheating to win. See, that's the difference too. There's a lot of heels out there that are legitimate badasses that don't always or nearly or rarely cheat to win. Miz feels like a character that needs to cheat to win. He's not physically imposing. Uh, he can cut a good promo, but he's he's a chicken, you know what, heel. He's got the yellow stripe down his back. He's that kind of heel. He's the kind of the sniveling heel that will strike and then retreat. But to me, in order to take you seriously, and if you want to actually evolve as a character, maybe do something with The Miz that makes you feel something beyond just the catchphrases that The Miz seems to have. Now, I will say, if MJF comes to WWE, and he goes face-to-face with The Miz, that's going to be a really fun moment. Because both of them unhinged, unscripted, with just a general direction of where they should go, I would pay money to see that. 
Like if they charged a hundred dollars to watch Monday Night Raw that night, I'd say where do I who do I write the check out to? I would. Uh, so the the Miz and MJF, I think it would be a really good combination, and not for in ring. It'd be promos, 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 promos. That's what I'd want. Okay, I'm getting way off. <laughs> this is a Monday Night Raw review. Uh, so he had Paul Heyman as his, as his guest, and uh, Paul Heyman acknowledged after Riddle came out that Riddle had a bit of momentum <laughs> heading into the match with a big win against Champa. Champa, you take your pronunciation. I heard both from the announcers this week. Why can't they just pick a name for someone that's not, you know, up for interpretation how to pronounce it? Like Omas, Champa, like but I've heard alternate pronunciations. Just I don't know, pick something simple. Anyway, uh Riddle again it was complimented by uh, Paul Heyman, but he also was notified by Paul Heyman that a stipulation was added to the match on Friday for the undisputed championship. And that is if Riddle loses to Roman Reigns, he can never ever challenge Roman Reigns again for that universal title. As long as he is champion. I mean, it adds an interesting wrinkle, but here's the thing that stipulation was already going to happen. Like Riddle had no opportunity for a rematch. None, right? Like you knew Riddle was a one and done anyway. So this fits nicely in with their booking because they know they're not going back to Riddle to challenge Roman ever again. They just have a guy that they they can have as a stopgap before Randy Orton returns in a month or so and challenges Roman uh, for the title at SummerSlam. So that is um, that's I think where where they're going there. And I mean it's a nice little wrinkle, but you kind of see through it if you've watched wrestling for for a, a couple of years at least. Um, by the way, they were from they were uh, resonating from Wichita, Kansas. And anytime they're in the South, you know the rule of thumb, insult the intelligence of the crowd because Vince must always hit on the Southern stereotype. The Southern stereotype of everyone is, you know, has, the, has room temperature IQ. That's just Vince's way when he gets to the South. I'm surprised they even acknowledged where they were. I really am. You know, I give them props because Wichita is kind of a borderline city. They don't have an NFL team. They don't have a, any professional sports team that I'm aware of. Uh, but Wichita, like you hear the name, you're like, oh, that's Kansas. Like most of us probably hear that and go, oh, yeah, 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 that's down south in Kansas. I think they get nervous when it's not only not a professional sports team that's that uh, has a team in the city, but also when it's a city that people are just like, huh? Where's this Evansville, Indiana? Yeah, we're not going to mention that, right? So I think that's where they get nervous. And I don't know what they're nervous about other than image, which is extremely just, I mean, I'll go off on a rant, a rant about that. I don't want to. So, all right, we got, let's see here. Oh, Riddle said that uh, he didn't care about the stipulations because Reigns would have to kill him to stop him from winning the title. I think Undertaker said that a couple of times before. Uh, Heyman then explained that Riddle will either win and become champion or will never receive another title shot. But then we got Riddle versus Champa, And this, I believe, is Champa's first televised Monday Night Raw matchup since he, quote unquote, was promoted to the main roster. And again, unless it happened off air or in a dark match or uh, in, in a non-Hulu portion of the show, I don't remember Champa having a 
a matchup on Monday Night Raw since he was called up. But this I really enjoyed, and it you knew Riddle was going to win, and you knew he was going to win because Champa has gotten exactly zero character build on Monday Night Raw, like exactly zero. And also Riddle is involved in facing Roman Reigns, and you need to make him look strong as a credible threat to Roman. I mean, it would make no sense for Champa to win, but it wasn't a squash, and they had a really nice match, really nice match, and. I had you know no issue with this. Riddle hitting the RKO on Champa for the victory was exactly what should have happened and and did. So, all right, let's see what's going on here. I'm just looking at the comments of this uh, Monday night or this uh, matchup. Uh, let's see. Uh, so a big key has been dropping, and I'm reading another's analysis to. Uh, just kind of, I think it's something important to say because I want to comment on it. A big key has been dropping many of Riddle's more playful elements as he focuses in on proving himself as a dangerous high-level athlete. Monday was another step in that evolution, but WWE will likely look for an escape hatch on Friday with Riddle winning by DQ or countout to where the stipulation is rendered meaningless. Still a fun match with Champo and a good interaction with Heyman. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. You know, Riddle has shown in the last several weeks that he's got a more serious, a more serious side than just worrying about, you know, 420 stuff. And that's good because we need to see depth. We need to see growth. We need to see evolution. Pick your adjective. And he is. He's showing that. And that's great. And I think that there is something to build on here and something that I think may hang on when Orton returns because my big thing, as I will continue to say and stick with, is Orton returns, gets the uh, match with uh, uh, Roman Reigns, I can say that easily, at SummerSlam, and then perhaps we start to see cracks in RK-Bro leading to a match at WrestleMania between Randy and Riddle. So that's my thought. All right, let's see what else happens here. Asuka Asuka beat up Becky Lynch after Lynch attacked Dana Brooke before their 24-7 championship matchup. Thank God that didn't happen. And Lynch claimed to be sick of getting no respect before WWE in WWE before Asuka came to the ring and just beat her up. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of this. Like, Asuka is a... Asuka's always been an interesting character because you never know... Like, she's not a traditional babyface. Like, babyfaces don't do this and interfere in, unprovoked anyway, their opponent's matchups. It's typically not what they do. But I think it's because they're looking at this as... Well, if we're going to have her be disrespectful, at least it's to a championship that is rendered absolutely meaningless and to a a wrestler that we've given no respect to, and that's Dana Brooke. So, hey, if you're going to do it, let's do it the right way. And they put put Asuka in a situation where if she's disrespecting anything, the fans aren't going to care too much. But, I mean, I don't even know what what the hell Becky's doing in the 24-7 title scenario anyway. Like, what is she doing there? I mean, the only good thing, as I said, Dana Brooke getting some kind of visibility. If you're a Dana Brooke fan or hopeful she might move up in the standings, that's encouraging, I guess. But I'd imagine that's probably it for her. You know, (laughs) this literally if we were going to have if her career ended today, if Dana Brooke's career ended today and they made a video package, they they put out talked about some highlights. Yeah, I think that having Becky Lynch in a match one-on-one for the 24-7 championship is probably her number one accomplishment. And again, I think Dana Brooke seems like a genuinely nice person, and I think she puts a lot of time and effort into her physique and work, and she travels, and she has family she's leaving behind. 
all that, and I respect that. But what they've done with her, her has not been a great thing. She is the women's punching bag. I mean, she is a walking punching bag for the women's division. You know, so I, th- I think there's a lot of there's a story there too to tell. I think you could get fans organically behind her with all the misbooking and her just getting essentially losing for how many years she's been with WWE. All right. So let's see. Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan defeated Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. When Bliss hit Nikki with a DDT. Uh, Nikki, maybe I missed this the last several weeks, actually uh, curled her hair a little bit. That was a nice change. Even the small things make a difference. And she generally got booed. Nikki A.S.H. that is. And I thought this, this match was fine. Alexa Bliss getting the victory was the right call. And... What I, I, I believe that this was a qualifier match for the women as well. So Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan make it to the Money in the Bank qualifying match. Makes sense. I don't think Dewdrop and Nikki ASH have any business in that matchup right now. Ezekiel defeated Kevin Owens via countout when Owens threw a tantrum on the announce desk, screaming that Ezekiel's Elias. And then after the match, Ezekiel announced that Elias would hold a concert next week. Huh. Imagine if Elias actually comes out and holds a concert next week. Think about that. Ezekiel's in the ring, and here comes Elias, actually Eli- Elias, to, uh, to, to to do his usual shtick he did with his guitar for many years beforehand. Oh, God. So that's, you know, they're still wrapped up in this story. I think they don't know what to do with either man right now. They don't have anything better planned, so they're just... I guess staying the course. Yeah, that's what I think. All right. MVP defeated Cedric Alexander after hitting the playmaker. It was a quick match. Almost inter- or Omos interfered. He jumped in the ring and he tossed Alexander to the outside. They're not doing anything, guys. They don't know what to do with Omos right now. I honestly don't know what they're going to do with Omos yet. Maybe. I, I really don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Omas other than just kind of taking a step back. MVP is getting the matches here and Omas is going back to just being the imposing enforcer. You know, I don't think that's long term. They just right now they just don't know what to do with him, so they're putting him with Cedric Alexander, which does there was a history there. I mean, Alexander was trying to be a part of that group and be still associated with Omas, or especially with MVP, and MVP turned him down time after time. So there's a little bit of a story there. A little bit. So, all right. Let's see. Bianca Belair, oh, cut a promo and said that she planned to show Rhea Ripley that she doesn't just walk the walk when they face off at Money in the Bank. You know, she you know, talked about again about how she's the greatest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, all that, right? And the fans are starting to react the way I think that a fading baby face should get a reaction for. And that's kind of like a, yay, wait a minute. <laughs> like collectively, if you could put it into words, the fans are like, cool. Yeah, Bianca, we, we still love you. Wait a, wait a sec. Wait, wait, why do we still love you? Because why? And why haven't you talked in a while? What's your mission statement? And, you know, are you going to do anything with this championship? Like, 
you know, you, you won it again at WrestleMania. Isn't that, isn't that a little bit uh, spoiled on your part? Like, I mean, I think the fans are starting to turn a little bit on Bianca and also starting to realize, hey, calling yourself the greatest at you're the EST of everything. Why are we cheering that? You know, so as of now, as of this recording, she's still babyface, but I don't anticipate by the end of the year she will be a babyface. And I'm talking about Bianca. So they'll probably wait some time. I mean, especially considering Rhea Ripley turned heel a couple of weeks ago, and she is the yin to uh, to Bianca Belair's yang. So there is that. But more importantly than just uh, you know, Bianca really fading in the reactions is that uh, we got a bit of an explanation, a bit of an explanation from the group. And there was no edge tonight or last night, no edge which I was actually surprised about. I thought they'd bring him out in some kind of disheveled mess and try to re rebirth him into the rated R superstar at some point in the next few weeks. And eventually, you know, we get that edge back. Uh, you know, so there is no edge and he, he was demolished pretty good. Uh, the left following week or the previous week with the concerto and the, uh, the, the, one of the supports of the steel chair being jammed to, into his mouth, all that. So, you know, they're, they're going to play that angle of, and it's smart on their part. What, because number one, I guess they're, they, it does seem that they're trying to turn edge baby face because he was outnumbered. It was blindsided, all that, but also taking time off heart makes absence, makes the heart grow fonder as we're seeing with Roman Reigns. So that also helps. And maybe it also gives them time to come up with a good creative, solid uh, creative plan and that also helps too. So, so, so I think that we're going to have Edge return probably at Money in the Bank, I'd imagine, to screw over the Judgment Day and get a piece of revenge. So, yeah, there is that. But the explanation uh, that we got wasn't bad. Um, they said that Edge was a hypocrite because... He said that the whole point of the group, the mission of the group was to not listen to anyone and just follow yourself. Yet Edge proclaimed himself as the leader, telling them what to do, becoming the very thing that his mission statement was uh, was fighting against. And I, you know, that's as good of an explanation as you're going to get. And at least they gave us an explanation, which sadly shouldn't be the bar. Like I shouldn't applaud them for doing the basics. But since they at times are so inept at storytelling, I will stand up and applaud them. Not only was it addressed, thank God, but also they addressed it in a way that is plausible. I didn't hate it. And it's it's as logical as you could probably get. I can't think of anything else I would have said. I mean, that, that's a, again, not, it's not perfect because I don't think it was the right decision. It didn't blow me out of the water, but it's as good of a bad situation as you could make. So we'll have to see when Edge comes back. I'm really curious about Edge. But uh, Rhea Ripley, you know, talked about her matchup with Bianca, and Bianca said that you know she's faced Rhea before, and you know while she's never faced this version of Rhea, she doesn't scare her. But at the end of the promo with Rhea, there will there did seem to be a little bit of hesitation on the part of Bianca where she seemed like, okay, I'm, I'm confident, but that did get to me. But I'm confident, right? Did seem like that. So I'm looking forward to the matchup with Bianca and Rhea. I think they're going to kill it. If not their first time, their second time, or maybe even their third time if that does come along. So, all right. Chad Gable defeated Mustafa Ali. 
with chaos theory. So that that was a, a, a thing. Mustafa Ali continues to lose. What is he doing here? You know, the world may never know. How many looks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pop, or whatever it is? Anybody ever seen that commercial? Maybe it's all, and, and I know it's a super old commercial, but I even remember seeing it as a kid. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop or something? And it's an owl who's licking the lollipop and he eventually just bites it and there's a Tootsie Roll in the middle. I don't know. And it's super old commercial, but it did play in the 90s. I think it actually originated in like the 60s or something. But even though some of you out there know what I'm talking about. Okay, way off topic. Veer Mahan, guys. Veer Mahan defeated Rey Mysterio with the cervical clutch. So Veer Mahan gets his biggest victory to date. While Rey Mysterio isn't a guy that it's exactly on fire or is the same guy he was 15 years ago, this is, from a name standpoint, the biggest win of Veer's career. So he's moving in the right direction if you want Veer to move on to bigger and better things. All right. And then, and then, and then, and then. We get Bobby Lashley and Theory in a pose down. So here, here's one analysis that I've, I'm going to read about uh, what happened here. Both men executed three poses before the crowd voted. Before they could vote, Theory demanded the fans chant for him before asking who won to a resounding cheer from the fans for, for Lashley. Uh, Theory then squirted baby oil in Lashley's eyes before kicking Lashley from the ring and taking a series of selfies. So, guys, instead of the excellent Rollins-AJ Styles match that we had earlier in the show that could have easily main evented the show, we get guys flexing with baby oil. That's what it boiled down to, quite literally. And Bobby Lashley... I guess, quote unquote, won it. I mean, it's it's almost, it's the same rules. Okay, here's here's the general rule of thumb. When your main event of Monday Night Raw has the same stipulations and rules as a, as a wet t-shirt contest on spring break, you know you've got a problem because how exactly do the girls win those wet t-shirt contests by crowd reaction, right? So essentially... They had a male version of a wet t-shirt contest on Monday Night Raw. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching it, but that's a general rule of thumb that you know that you you have a bit of a main event problem that night. And I thought it was, I mean, I hate to say it, but it was kind of garbage. Uh, it wasn't embarrassing. I mean, I guess it's as good as a pose off can be, but I don't want to pose off. So it's bad inherently. So yeah, whatever. Theory's in, in great shape. He is truly Mr. McMahon's protege. It's not just on screen. It does seem to be truly what's happening here or he wouldn't have main evented the show now the united states championship did get a little bit of a mention saying that lashley said he's going to take that from him so that's probably going to be something that happens at money in the bank which would i would imagine he would forego entering the money in the bank ladder match not that he can't do double duty but a lot of times that tells you he's not going to be involved in anything else other than that matchup so I'm not hating it. I think Lashley would be a fun Intercontinental or a United States champion, champion, but I don't know if we're going to have Theory drop it. I don't think he's ready. I don't think WWE is ready. But uh, this pose down was just, I mean, again, what are we doing? Why didn't they just have an arm wrestling match? You know? Ay, ay, ay. Um, yeah, that, that's 
pretty much it. But Theory did squirt Lashley with baby oil, which if they didn't tell me it was baby oil, I, it looked like a bottle of water. And it looked like Lashley was selling it like it was, you know, phytic acid you know, shot straight into his eyes. And then they said it was baby oil, which did not, by the way, what they were shooting on Lashley did not have a baby oil consistency. Now, his skin was shiny, but that's what water does. Like water with bright lights on you will make your body look shiny. So it looked very much like water. Whatever. It's fine. Um, you know, theory, there was one small goal here achieved. I do want to see somebody beat the holy hell out of theory. Now, maybe I'll just rewatch WrestleMania with Stone Cold stunning him or something. I don't know. But uh, so mission accomplished there. But at what cost? Having your main event. Imagine like, you know, you come home from the show. You're in Wichita. You're all pumped. You get home and like your family's like, you know, or your friends are like, cool, man, you went. That was so great. Like, what was the main event if they didn't watch it already on you know the USA Network? And you're like, uh, it's a pose off. What do you mean? The guy's flexing? It's like, yep. <laughs> That's the main event. Uh, it just it made no sense. I, I wouldn't have liked that kind of segment in the middle or beginning, wherever in the show. It doesn't belong in a pro wrestling ring. So, all right. That's what I thought about the uh, pose down. It was just the crowd run along. They, they didn't boo it. They could have easily booed this thing and crapped it out of the arena, and they didn't. So both guys are in incredible shape, though. I mean, props to them. All right. Well, does that conclude my show? I don't know if it does. I feel like I'm I'm jipping you guys, but uh, I think that is it. So I will say thank you. I will say that I will see you tomorrow for the mailbag. Join us, guys. If you want to email us, mailbag at wwepodcast.com is the address to go to and uh, send in your emails. You can also send your voicemails that way or call us. It's up to you. But the voicemails can come via email. I just take the file you send and convert it to an MP3 and put it in my recorder. It's pretty easy. But uh, you can preferably email us there. But patrons, you guys as uh, supporting members of the team here, get priority support in the mailbag. Another perk to going to Patreon. And you guys are read right at the beginning of the show. So that's it for me tonight, guys. I hope everyone's doing well, staying cool. And I will see you on Wednesday, tomorrow, for your mailbag, episode 85, I think it is. We're, we're getting there. I want to celebrate 100, do something special. But in the meantime, guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, take care, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.